Our Father, we come before you rejoicing and trembling at the same time and asking for grace. We pray that as we listen to the ancient words, the holy word, the word of God, handed down to us through the ages from the apostles and prophets and those they walked with and ultimately from your hand in your son through your son Jesus Christ handed down to us that we might proclaim it, that we might seek to obey it by your grace and we will see the glory of God cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Please speak to us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, the passage we read, we should be praying like that. Uh, if you listen to what was being said and what we read, let me, let me read portions of it again and then we will come back. But I'm saying that you should be praying like this. We should be praying like this as a church. You should be praying like this as an individual. This is how they prayed. They lifted up their voices together and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. And then they continue to recount. Now their prayer is going to teach us why we should pray like that. It is not unique to them. Of course, they pray that. And the reason surrounding is make us aware that we can also pray like this. Indeed, we should pray like this if we understand what was going on in them. So let me give reasons why we should pray like this. Number one is who was praying? The people who were praying. It's interesting that this is not just the apostles. Anytime you see the apostles do something, you pause, particularly the twelve. You pause and you don't just jump to us. You have to think first of old Israel, the 12 tribes of Israel, and the new Israel, Jews and Gentiles put together as these people serve as, if you like, the pillars. However, here, it's a little different. Look at verse 23. When the apostles, Peter and John, you remember the story from last week and the week before that, when they were released, they went to their friends. They, that, that word friends is they went to their own. The same expression that has been used in John chapter 1. He came to his own, but his own did not receive him. So they came to their own. They came to their friends. We don't know who they are, but they were disciples. They were followers of Jesus. They were in the church. They were in the early church. So John and Peter come to them, and then they reported what the chief priest and the elders had said to them. What had they said to them? We are warning you never to preach or teach or perform any miracle in the name of Jesus. 
Because when you do that, you are making us look terrible. So don't. Do it. And so they came and then they reported. And these friends, together with the apostles, when they had heard it, they lifted up their voices together. Sometimes I tend to think that this is more, it feels more like an African-Asian prayer. You know, for a lot of cultural reasons, people from different parts of the world tend to express prayer differently. In some places, depending on their church tradition and so on and so forth, this one will pray and that one will pray and they listen to each other pray and they listen and follow and then they say amen together and the Lord moves mightily. Do not recount, uh, discount that one. For some people, culturally, like Koreans, in, in particular Africans, they will lift up their voices together. Asians tend to pray like that as well. If they especially have Pentecostal charismatic flavor. Uh, and I mention this so that sometimes believers make the temptation of discounting or reducing or changing their views of one another because of the expression of gifts and the expression of prayer in particular. Please don't be tempted to do that. But over here, it seems in unison, together when they heard it, they were provoked together and they lifted up their voices and prayed. So this is not just the prayer of the apostles. This is the prayer of the apostles and their own, the friends, the brothers and sisters, those who were in the church. They prayed this prayer. And so that is the first reason. The first reason is that ordinary believers were included in praying this prayer. And it's so good that Luke doesn't tell us their names. At least we know of Peter and John when we expect that the others, the other ten will be there. But there, is, there were more, more people. And I dare remind believers that we are called to pray this kind of prayer. The prayer we will look at in a minute. And the reasons, their prayer, the prayer they prayed, teach us the what to pray and the reason we should pray this kinds of prayer if you understand the present circumstance in which we find ourselves. Look at verse 24 again. And when they heard it, they lifted up their voices together. There is a sense of united prayer. They are praying about the same thing. I'm not sure whether when they lifted up their, their voices together, they rehearsed the same thing, the same words. Well, probably not. But the direction of their prayer was that, which we're going to see. Maybe it is also quite possible that one of the leaders, one of the apostles stood in front of them, prayed this prayer, and they prayed along with them. What they were praying. A united prayer. But not only the leaders of the church then, the apostles, the pillars and the foundations of the church, but also their own friends who were with them. The other reason why we should pray this kind of prayer is who they were praying to. The first one is who was praying. The second one is who they were praying to. Verse 24b, Sovereign Lord. Now, you've got to understand why they are praying this prayer and why they will quote some two and pray it. You have received threats 
from the authorities of the day. Religiously, when it comes to the religion, when it came to Judaism, you've got a chief priest. You've got a topmost. I don't know how to, the equivalent today, I don't want to say the Pope. But take a locality. Perhaps you've got the archbishops and the bishops, all of them together. And they have assessed, this is not even coming from the Romans. And they are saying that you've got to stop. We have the theological credentials. We, have, we know it. And we are saying you are blaspheming, so stop. Now, this, these believers, remember that they were ordinary folks. They were fishermen. And, of course, some of them were educated and so on and so forth. But they were ordinary people. And the not-so-ordinary people have warned them not to speak. And so for you to continue to speak, you've got to remind yourself of who has called and who you're praying to. You're praying to the sovereign Lord. How is he sovereign? They tell us in the prayer. Sovereign Lord, verse 24, the second part, who made the heaven and the earth. This is Old Testament language. Anytime the people of old prayed, whether in the Psalms or wherever, and they reminded themselves that sovereign Lord, you are the creator of everything. Who made the heaven and the earth. The heaven and the earth is always a shorthand of saying everything, particularly in the Old Testament. Who made everything. Now you've got to remind yourself that if he is sovereign over everything, he has authority over all creation. Everything. Every human being created. And that includes the authority. So the authority, they realize, is not sovereign. When it came to the word, you remember what Peter and John told them? When they said, don't, don't, don't preach in this name again. They said, judge for yourself whether it is right to obey God or to obey man. That, this is the sovereignty they are talking about. Sovereign Lord who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You who through the mouth of our father David, our father David, your servant by your spirit. What are they praying? What are they remembering? They are remembering that from of old, God has set out his purposes. The sovereign Lord who created everything has a purpose to discharge in the world. And David spoke about it hundreds and hundreds of years earlier. And what did David say? David said this in Psalm 2. Let's turn a little bit to Psalm 2. Some two and then the first two verses. And then we will come quickly back to Acts. And then we will push it through. Psalm 2. If you're there, let me just read. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, we're not going to let them rule over us. We're not going to sit under the anointed's holy word. Listen to them. Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. And then what happens? 
He who is enthroned, he who sits in the heavens laughs. If you haven't heard God laugh before, you hear it here. The kings of the earth have come together. The nations have conspired. And they want to resist God. They want to rebel against him. They don't want his rule. We don't want to sit under his word. And therefore, we're going to go against his king. We're going to go against his anointed. We will break the cords of any sort of entanglement over us. We will not submit to the rule of the anointed. That is what is going on. And then the Lord hears them and then he bursts into laughter. Yet at the same time, he judges them. He judges them. And the psalmist, by the time he finishes, he tells them that, look, for you to be safe, kiss the son. That is, pay homage to the son. Bow to him. Submit to him. Now the apostles and the church, after they have been threatened by the powers that be, they come and then they pray that psalm too. Listen to them. And through the mouth of our father David, your servant said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. The prayer continues. For truly in this city, they were gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus. So what he is saying is that when the kings got together against the anointed, the anointed is the holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. What are they saying? When they call the Lord Sovereign Lord, they are not necessarily discounting the seriousness of the threats, but they are reminding themselves in prayer who has called them and who they are praying to. It is the God who has purpose from before of old and through David has been discharging it. Even when the kings came together, they couldn't stop him. Listen to how they pray. Verse 28, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. The things that the Lord himself had arranged and predestined and planned, whatever they were conspiring against the Holy Servant Jesus, it was perfectly in accordance with the will and sovereignty of this sovereign Lord. And the believers had to encourage themselves in that. Why did they have to tell God about God? Is it that God didn't, you know, you need to flatter him about himself, then somehow he would work? Is it that for some reason they thought, God, you have forgotten yourself? Oh, let me remind you, as we say in our prayer, remind God about his word as though he forgets. Why was it necessary to remind God? God, or to actually recount who God is in the prayer as they prayed. It was for their sake. Imagine this. You were preaching Christ, 
And somebody in Accra, just imagine, we live in a society, assuming we live in a society where somebody comes and points a gun at you. The next time I hear you preach in the name of this Jesus, right at the doorstep of your office, I'll blow out your mind. And I mean it. If you were like me, I'll, I, I would be worried. If you are married, you'll be even more worried. And if you have children and you have responsibilities, do not ever think that, oh, as for these early believers, it didn't really matter. It mattered. And therefore, it was important to remind themselves of who God is, who has called them. And so the prayer as they prayed for each other to hear, was in a sense to encourage one another as they lifted up their voices to God. This is the God who has called us. This is the God we serve. That is the God to whom we pray. So the nations have come together. There is no hope anywhere. Remember what they say in verse 27, both the Jews and the Gentiles have come together. You see that in the religious leaders and Pontius Pilate who is a Gentile, they have come together against Jesus. And yet that was in accordance with God's plan. Only that with the sovereign Lord. My friends, let me remind us. Sometimes it doesn't feel like God is sovereign. True? Maybe you're not following me. Maybe you live in this incredible Christian world. The new creation has dawned for you alone. And somehow you just walk like this. I'm in the new creation in the midst of a chaotic world. Let me repeat it. Sometimes it doesn't feel like God is sovereign. It doesn't feel like that at all. Where in your workplace you feel like a minority. Even among religious people, and I don't mean Muslims and all the others. I mean Christianly religious people. You feel as though, are you the only one who goes to church? As if you are some way, be. And you feel small. And from your boss to the very least in rank, it's as though, am I the only weird Christian here? Am I overdoing it? And it feels as though God is not sovereign. The powers that be is. No, but God is sovereign. He is sovereign there. Hallelujah. Remember what is at stake. What is at stake is don't preach the word of Jesus and don't preach in the name of Jesus and don't perform anything in his name. So what do they ask? After they have reminded themselves of this God, what do they ask in prayer? And we should also be asking this. Verse 29. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants, plural, and grant to your servant in your holy servant, Jesus. Grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with boldness. Do you know the very thing that will change the world? The very thing that will change the world is the word of God. There is nothing else that will change our world. It is the word of God. Now that sounds simplistic. 
But my friends, let me repeat it. And we need to renew our confidence in the Word of God as we have it in the Bible. There is nothing else that would change this world but the Word of God given to us, handed down to us, inspired by the Holy Spirit, breathed out by the Holy Spirit, proclaimed, which is centered on Jesus, centered on the gospel. That is what will change the world. Nothing else will. Every other thing will be pointed to the hand of God. But it is only the word of God, the word of Christ preached to this, our world, that will bring life. And therefore, they knew exactly what they were praying. Grant to us, if we receive threat, what we would pray here in this church. What do you think will be the first prayer point? <laughs> Fire upon their heads. It will be protection. Lord, protect us. Oh, Lord, protect us. And then the room will be fireworks, so fire. We'll be praying for protection. Nothing wrong with praying for protection. But these believers understood what is at stake. The hope of the world is the gospel. The hope of the world is that Christ died. Christ has been raised from the dead. He ascended. He will return to judge the living and the dead and therefore respond to him as king. Turn from your sin and come. And that has implications for every aspect of your life. That is the hope of the world. The world doesn't want us to believe that. Oh, they said that, oh, we, we, should, we should preach that there are other ways. We should be more tolerant. We should uh, admit that enlightenment, if you have been to university, if you have had any form of education, then let's agree that everybody has their opinion. Truth is relative, isn't it? Well, when it comes to the way to God and to be reconciled to him, there is no relative. And so, please, Lord, grant to your servants boldness. Are you timid somehow, sometimes, to speak of Jesus? If you are sometimes, just wink. Hey, everybody is staring at me, so nobody is sometimes timid. I am sometimes absolutely intimidated. We were with um, a very top former government official. I won't specify. It's not a believer. And they were talking. And something in my heart tells me that vision one, two, two, one, this man too needs the gospel. Hey, but how is this man going to receive it if I begin to, you know, make myself a suffer there? And I could feel the flesh actually trembling within me and asking the Lord for grace. And then he looked for trouble to ask me a question. <laughs> why, why is it that pastors don't overtly get involved in politics? I said, uh, we will turn our answer to talk about Jesus. All the people that we revere so much at our workplaces, we revere, they are non-Christian, they're so powerful, their lives are hopeless without Jesus without someone proclaiming the gospel to them. And I know that sometimes because we are such that we measure people by achievement and so on, we can become so small, sadly, in front of them. My brothers and sisters, they prayed this because they felt exactly the same way. And so we ask God by his Holy Spirit to grant to us boldness, boldness, 
boldness. Boldness doesn't mean rude. Boldness doesn't mean foolishness. Boldness doesn't mean unwise. Sometimes people equate boldness with unloving and disrespect. That is also not of the Lord Jesus. Boldness is submitting to the lordship of Jesus and proclaiming him as Lord with all humility, fear, and trembling, but proclaiming him as Lord and calling people to respond. That can only be the work of the Spirit. We cannot do that by ourselves. The biggest gift you can give to your neighbors is to boldly proclaim Jesus to them. And the only way we can proclaim Jesus to them is to pray this kind of prayer. Grant to your servants boldness. 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 And then they prayed something really interesting in verse 30. Verse 30, he says, they said what? While you stretch out your hand. Isn't that interesting? They didn't say that while we stretch out our hands. Even though the Lord might do it through them. They are so centered on God in their prayer. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Let's pray this kind of prayer. What am I saying? Check history. Every now and then in the life of the church, we need an extraordinary visitation of God himself. And it is proclamation, and then he sometimes confirms this proclamation by doing some unusual things in the midst of his people. Remember the people who are praying this prayer. It is not a dead church. This is the first church vibrant as it is. Now, things will begin to go a little bit um, downhill when we look at Ananias and Sapphira in the coming weeks. But this is the early church. This is where the apostles are. Fire! I mean, there has been the baptism of the Spirit earlier at Pentecost. There has been the outpouring of the Spirit, the infilling of the Spirit. Now, a few weeks on, and this same church He's saying, Father, let it not stop. Let this, in the midst of this hostility, let it be evident that you dwell among your people. No wonder they said that whilst you stretch out your hand to do these things, let it be evident that you dwell among your people. Now, these, this early church, and I've said it time and again, their destination was not the physical healing. The physical healing was always important to them because it was a pointer always to the resurrection, the new creation. And so we are praying that, Lord, let there be glimpses, whatever, however glorious that may be, it is never the new creation. As for the new creation, we'll be blown away. We will see Jesus face to face. Sickness won't even dare appear. It won't exist. Death won't exist. I wouldn't age anymore. Wow. I went somewhere and some people, they are grown-up ladies. They were calling me papa. I, said, <laughs> I thought they would call me bra. Brother. Uh, papa, I said, things are going wrong. I'm looking older and older by day. It won't happen. But when the Lord does that, we should pray that, Lord, let your presence be evident 
in our midst. And when it is not happening, I see churches sometimes descend into this self-pity. And I mentioned it last week, and discontentment, and they begin to think the Lord is not at work because some extraordinary things are not happening. That is not what is going on here. Let's request it. It is his hand that will do it. Let's pray it. Lord, let it be evident. And evident not just to ourselves, but to the world around us. But one thing, one thing should be sure. The proclamation of Jesus should continue. Grant us boldness to speak. Whilst you stretch out your hand to do my need. And then the Lord responds. And then the Lord responds. Hear what happens. Let me read it for us. And when they had prayed this, verse 31, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. Please look up for a moment. These things ought to move believers. Our God, the sovereign Lord, is so real. The place where they had prayed was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And this time, they were not speaking in like other people's language as we saw in Pentecost. This time, they were speaking the word of God with such boldness. The Lord had answered them. I suppose the children, in the way they understood it, were speaking to their friends with such boldness. The teens were doing it. The rest of the church were doing it. They were proclaiming Jesus with such boldness. Such boldness. The place where they were praying together was shaking. What do you think that reminds you of? It is an Old Testament episode repeated. When the Lord descends with his people, there was this. Let me read some for you. Don't turn to it. Nehum, Nehum chapter 1 and verse 5. The mountains quake before him. The hills melt. The Lord, the earth Heaves before him the world and all who dwell therein. Amos chapter 9 and verse 9. For behold, I am commanding, and I will shake the house of Israel among all nations, as grain is shaken in a sieve, but not a kernel will fall to the ground. It is not the only time it's going to happen when the people of God pray. Well, we might pray and he might shake the ground. He might not shake the ground. What they are saying here is that God was present among these people and he made it loud and clear. Do you remember when Paul and Silas were in prison? Hallelujah. Amen. Acts 16, when they were in prison and the authorities had restricted them. They were in Philippi, I think. They, were, they, they had restricted them and bound them and they were in prison and all the gates have been locked and about midnight. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them, and suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaking, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. Anytime the people of God pray, and particularly when they are praying the sovereign will of God, the Almighty, through our Lord Jesus Christ, in the power of the Spirit to be, to unfold in their time. The Lord shows up. The Lord shows up. This is the prayer that he always says yes to. Anything that will require 
the advancement of the gospel that people will hear. And his people are asking for boldness. His people are asking that Jesus will be seen and heard. He shows up. And sometimes he shows up in some very unusual ways. And so let us continue to pray. Let us continue to pray, but let us continue to pray for what they prayed. Not so much protect us, but grant that the hope of the world will be proclaimed, the Lord Jesus. But not only that to finish off, the shaking, the boldness, but there was something about the community as well, that the word of God was seen to be powerfully at work amongst them. In the last section, 30. Um, 2 to 37. Let me read it for you. And just watch this community. Now the full number of those who, were, who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. But they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimonies to the resurrection of the, of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought them the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus, Joseph, Joseph Barnabas, Joseph nicknamed Barnabas, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. You see what is happening, the answer to their prayer. It wasn't just fireworks. It was also a real demonstration of the power of the gospel at work in the community of believers. And what do we see? Such selfless, selfless way of life. Now, I know you're asking the question, oh, so today should we go and sell our land and so on? I'm not going to answer that question. Because usually when we ask those questions, we are actually looking for a way of escape. I don't know. What I know is this. If we want to claim the miracles and the blessings of that day, let us also claim what we see here manifested among the community of believers. Let's not separate them. So when the Lord had visited them and the, 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 there was boldness and there was the shaking and so on, there was also evidence of his presence among his people. Unity, genuine love, and extraordinary generosity. Generosity untold. People sacrificially giving themselves so that the community is provided for. Now, you will see later in Acts that this is going to spark such that the church elsewhere on another continent will send to the church in Jerusalem because there was need. The same grace poured out on them. And all these things are pointing to the testimony of the power of the word of God. The word of God 
working through them, the word of God working among them, the word of God working in them. The opposition that will arise in Acts will not be so much against the Lord's people, it will be against the word, trying to stop the word from advancing. And here we see the word display among the Lord's people. So let's pray this prayer, my friends. Let's pray this prayer and let's look at it completely. The Lord, may you do these things amongst us. Please, do some amongst us as we call upon you, sovereign Lord. Let's pray. We'll sing in a moment. But before that, I just want you to reflect for a second. In which areas have you been really intimidated? Be sincere before God. Don't rationalize things. You feel so intimidated when it comes to talking about Jesus. That you can talk about anything but you can never dare to go into the conversation of Jesus. That your heart longs for the approval of men more than the approval of God. There is this fear of man rather than the fear of God. And so we hold Jesus back. We say, Jesus, wait. This is not an appropriate setting for you. Jesus waits. In our environment, we don't talk about you. I'm still looking for opportunities for you. Wait. When the Holy Spirit is constantly creating opportunities for us, we need to ask him, make me courageous. Make me bold. As you did of the brothers and sisters of old. Let's pray. Just talk to the Lord in your own hearts. Shall we stand together, please? Let's stand together for a moment. And together, like them, let's lift up our voices in prayer. Sovereign Lord, look at our environment. Look at where we work. It's so hostile. They all look religious. They all profess Christianity. But at the same time, they are so hostile that I get so afraid, alone, intimidated. Oh, Lord, look upon the hostility of the environment and grant boldness and grant boldness to us. Lord, we have said before us that we want to push this year proclaiming Jesus to our neighbors and friends and family members. If you don't grant us boldness, Lord, we'll be busy with every other thing but not with proclaiming Jesus as the only Lord. Father, grant us boldness. And Father, we know that when you dwell amongst your people, extraordinary things happen. Father, stretch forth your hand, O God, and perform amongst us signs and wonders as people's lives are transformed and they are touched. But we pray, oh God, for the ultimate miracle. The ultimate miracle. People being raised from spiritual deadness to life. 
Speak, Lord, Jesus, as you raise Lazarus from the dead. Call out people like you called us who were once dead in our trespasses and sins. Father, stretch forth your hand. We know our brothers and sisters, some are struggling with all kinds of ailments. And whilst we admit, Lord, and submit to the fact that our ailments remind us, oh, that we are not there yet. Yet, oh God, we know that a new creation has been set into motion. Give us glimpses of that. By providing healing for their bodies, oh God. Restoration of minds, Lord. Breakthroughs in their own lives. Father, may your presence be made manifest again and again and again and again. I pray, oh God, that you will provide healing to their bodies. However means that you chose, stretch forth your hands, Lord. And Father, we pray that there will be the manifestation of the power of God, the power of the word of God in our midst. As Father, we grow to become a community of unity in spite of our imperfections. Community of unity. Oh, we know that as we journey along, the Ananias and Sapphira and all the other things will begin to surge their head. But even in the midst of that, oh God, let it be evident that we are people among whom God dwells by his word. Father, I pray that we'll be a people among whom God rules by his word, that the world will see it. Our sense of unity and genuine, sincere humility and love and extraordinary generosity. Father, Lord, we come to the point where our wealth is more important than you. May the word of God break that. May the word of God usher us into a vision of Jesus where our wealth is placed in the right perspective. It is temporal. It is passing. That you may expand our hearts and give us the grace of extraordinary generosity. Father, we look to you, Lord. Father, we look to you, Lord. In the coming days, as we journey towards Easter, I pray, Father, that your people, O oh God, will be focused. That our, our thinking will be realigned with that of the gospel. Our thinking will be realigned with Jesus. Our thinking, Lord. In weeks on end, when we are barraged and bombarded with issues of life and work and parenting and the challenges thereof, we pray, oh God, that we will slow down and gaze at the beauty of Jesus and look into his face and be reminded of God's work in and through him applied to us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Help us not to digress. Let a shadow of the cross fall on us in a fresh new way. Oh God, I pray for my brothers and sisters here, Lord, who are struggling to stay focused on Jesus. I pray that God, the Holy Spirit, will place your everlasting arm underneath them and uphold them by your grace. And Father, let them see the beauty of Jesus. Let them see the glory of the cross in a fresh new way. And pour out your Holy Spirit upon us, oh God, and stretch forth your hand and do mighty works amongst us. Father, we take the opportunity, Lord, to pray for all the children here represented. 
Every one of them meeting upstairs and every one of them absent from our midst today, Lord. We are crying out, my brothers and sisters, and I are crying out, oh God, that there will be the outpouring of the Holy Spirit among the children and Father, that the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the word of the Almighty God will dwell in them, will take residence in them, that these children will be transformed, that their body and souls will be rescued by the only Savior of the world. There is no name given among men by which men should be saved, women should be saved, children should be saved, except the name of the Lord Jesus I pray that our children will not be disillusioned. I pray that our children will not be sidetracked as they go to school, as they play on the playground. We pray in the name of Jesus that they will be rescued by the Holy Lord. Father Lord, I pray for marriages here represented that are not reflecting the power and presence of God. Father, I pray where selfishness and self-centeredness have taken root, we know that the gospel of the Lord Jesus affects every aspect of life. And therefore, Lord, I pray the husbands and wives will submit their marriage and their hearts to you right now as we pray that you will stretch forth your hand and break every stony heart, stubborn heart. Hearts that will not yield to you and therefore will not yield to one another. Father, we are about to celebrate the Holy Communion. Oh, Father, we pray the Lord, as we feed on the body of Christ and as we drink his blood symbolically represented in this, Jesus, you command us to do this. You know your reason. We pray, oh God, that you will pour out all your grace among us, into us, with us. All your grace. In fact, Lord, we will be bold enough to ask. Let the fullness of God dwell. What else can we ask but the fullness of God? What can we ask by the fullness of God? Which blessing is greater, O oh God, than asking you for your fullness in our midst? Thank you. Thank you. Shall we enter into a time of worship? Shall we just lift up our voices and worship the sovereign Lord? Let's lift up our voices together. Don't look at the person on your left or right. Don't try to be prim and proper. However you feel comfortable, lift up your voices, in, not in request, but in worship. Sovereign Lord, Sovereign Lord, you alone are Lord. You alone are mighty. There is none like you, Lord. There is none like you, Lord. There is none like you, Lord. Why do the nations rage and the kings of the earth come together against Jesus, the anointed Messiah? Why do they do that? Because you laugh at them. Their purposes will come to nothing. You are Sovereign Lord. We worship you this morning. We exalt your most holy name. We give you all the glory and praise. We give you all the honor, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 